Because of uh, bony pyramid is the most invisible part of nose pyramid, sometimes walking this bony pyramid looks like uh, catching crayfish by the hands. So ladies and gentlemen, a warm welcome to the Rhinoplasty podcast. It's a great honor in March that we have got the World Rhinoplasty Day medalists as our speakers, as well as the, the, the main judge of that. So today I've got the great honor of having a man all the way from Moscow in Russia with us. He, two things that really stand out for me, obviously the first one is that he was our bronze medalist at the World Rhinoplasty Day speaking in English, which is not his native tongue. But the other one is that he's a phenomenal organizer of congresses and he had an incredible congress in St. Petersburg two years ago. So it's a great honor for me to be able to welcome this man on the show that is brought to you by Carl Stortz. If you wait until the end, you'll get the email address for the person you can email to get a discount on Carl Stortz equipment and instruments. We don't even have to tell you how good they are. Uh, everyone knows what Carl Stortz is capabilities are. So uh, Vitali, it is a great honor for me to have you here tonight and welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Cameron. First of all, I, I would like to appreciate you for having me here and also for your great efforts. I mean, educational um, um, webinars that you have organized in uh, spring and summer during the last year and also for your amazing uh, World Rhinoplasty Day, then I took part. Yeah, it's really you. great honor for me to to participate there and uh, also to 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 participate today with you. Yeah, no, what's great? I mean, this podcast goes all around the world, and and you know, many people can't necessarily pay for congresses, etc. So it's it's wonderful to have the opportunity to speak again about everything that we've spoken about, et cetera. But before we climb into the topic, which I'm excited to learn about, tell us a little bit more about Vitali. I know you love the outdoors. I mean, your Instagram, you, you seem to spend more time out of theater than in theater. Um, how did you end up becoming this plastic surgeon that you are? Mm, I mean, it, it is long way for, for all uh, plastic surgeons. And um, I, I have finished uh, my university and uh, then I, I have uh, residency in general surgery, then PhD in uh, general surgery. I have finished PhD and then I, I moved to, to plastic surgery and, uh, and I did residency uh, in plastic surgery in St. Petersburg and uh, started to, to work in clinic and I think it is most interesting speciality. Wow. In, and in, what did you do your PhD surgery. in? What was your PhD in? Uh, it was about hernias. Hernias. Yes. And I guess you don't really miss that with all the stuff you're doing now. Yeah. It is, it, it is not my, my real work now, but it was interesting step in my, in my career. Yeah. And uh, Vitaly, when you're not working, tell me about your outdoor life that you enjoy. Yeah, you know, I think we we are similar. We have families, and we spend a lot of time with our families. And uh, uh, I like outdoor activities and fishing also. And uh, I have uh, outside house uh, on the lake, and we spend time there together. Oh, that's great! Eh? Now, tell me, the St. Petersburg Congress that you arranged—I don't know how you pulled that off because. 
you literally had every single speaker of influence in the whole world. I don't think there's been, I mean, there's been some great congresses, like, I, I mean, even the international meeting, rhinoplasty societies, etc. But St. Petersburg just stands out. How much time and effort did it take you to pull that Congress off? Yeah, you know, we have a uh, team who organized these this meetings. I only mm, uh, take care about the program and uh, it takes around one year, mm. usually, to, to organize such big meeting. Uh, we, we take all our efforts together and, and we, we spent one year to prepare whole program and everything. And do you have any plans for possibly doing it again? Yes, of course, but now is not easy time. You, you know, we, we moved to, to internet uh, webinars because of COVID and I don't know exactly when we can repeat it, mm. actually. We'll see. Yeah, well, we hope to meet in person soon because I think everybody's tired of all these uh, webinars. We need to see each other and greet each other and work together again. Yes, of course. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we, we are missing it. And, but, but it is not depends on us. We'll see how it will be this COVID and uh, when it will be possible, of course, we will try to organize it again. That's great. Okay, so Vitaly, I want to ask you to share your screen um, and climb into the topic that you want to share with us. And I remind you that many people will be watching it on YouTube, but the majority will be on all the various streams that the podcast going out. So they won't necessarily be able to see what you are going to be able to show us. But as you talk, I'm sure you'll be able to explain to somebody who's can't see your, your, your presentation. Okay, it takes maybe one minute. And Vitaly, we just, whilst you're getting that ready, tell me about the World Rhinoplasty Day. I mean, it's, it's great that, that you, were, you, you took part, you had a fantastic team from Russia and uh, what a pleasure to be able to be one of the medalists, man. Yeah, it, it is great. It is great opportunity to participate in this uh, famous uh, rhinoplasty speakers from around the world. And it, it was really nice and uh, amazing experience. And again, I appreciate you for this fantastic, fantastic uh, possibility to take part in. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to to you talk about uh, yeah, sequential approach. Please, yeah. yeah. Can, can can you see my screen? I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Can see. Yes. No, I can see it. But now you just want to maximize it as if you're doing a presentation. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. There you go. Ready. So, yeah. Yeah. Vitaly, thanks. Please share your screen and um, go ahead. There, I can see your your presentation now. Thank you. Great. Yeah, I, I am ready to talk. Uh, I already talked about that, but I like to repeat it. Uh, I would like to talk about uh, one of the most difficult topics for all rhinoplasty sur surgeons uh, about treatment of bony pyramid. And uh, uh, I think it is really difficult. Why? Because uh, there are three main issues uh, uh, in bony pyramids uh, that Bony pyramids is the most invisible part of the nose. When we perform rhinoplasty, it's most difficult to make diagnosis because it is most cephalic. And it's very difficult to, to see all the deformities of bony pyramids. And 
the second issue is bony pyramid is one of the biggest part of the nose pyramid and it is foundation of the nose and bony pyramid is asymmetric in the majority of patients undergoing rhinoplasty and because of that I think it is one of the most difficult uh, part of rhinoplasty for all rhinoplasty mm -hmm. surgeons and I like I like to talk about my own experience working this bony pyramid and also I would like to to present my algorithm working this bony pyramid uh, because of uh, bony pyramid is the most invisible part of nose pyramid sometimes Walking this bony pyramid looks like uh, catching crayfish by the hands. We, we cannot see exactly where is deformity. We sometimes should only uh, imagine what 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 is the deformity there. And uh, because of that, I prefer to use full open approach. What what means full open approach? Uh, it means that I mobilize uh, periosteum from the bony pyramid. Uh, using elevator from the cephalic part of the uh, bony pyramid till, uh, till caudal part of the bony pyramid from anterior posterior direction and uh, from one horizontal part of maxilla to another horizontal part of maxilla. It means it, 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 these directions, this approach helps to, to visualize all the problems of the bony pyramid. And for example, you can see I can visualize such big holes on, on, on the surface or some uh, convexity or some concavities. It is not the secret that all bony pyramids are very different from, from each other. And uh, it's also well known that bony pyramid is one of the biggest part of the nose pyramid. It's a foundation of the nose and it's also occupies from one third to one half of whole nose pyramid and gives stable foundation for cartilaginous part of the nose. You, you can touch your own bones and you can see that it is quite big. It gives stable foundation for middle third and for lower third also. And it is also not, not the secret that the nose pyramid is destabilized completely, very difficult to, to get the stable position of the bones uh, in the end of the surgery. And, and also very interesting question, how to fix this destabilized bones and the required position after complete osteotomies and save it in this exact position, uh, despite their uh, possibility for the bones to shift under the influence of different circumstances like swelling, scarring, etc. I think it is one of the main issues uh, that we should think about uh, because predictability of the rhinoplasty it is key. And minimization, I think, minimization of complete bone destabilization preserve us from, from the undesired shift of, for the middle and lower third of the nose also. And uh, these decrease the number of uh, undesired asymmetries that can be one of the main reasons for, for their um, revision surgeries. And I think we should appreciate uh, stability of the bony pyramid, this preservation of the stability, if, if it is possible, of course. 
Uh, also, Bonnier pyramid is asymmetric, as I mentioned before, and uh, you can see in this picture that we have opened together this Peter Palhas in his amazing lab. Uh, we have opened three uh, random uh, Bonnier pyramid, and you can see that right and left side on each Bonnier pyramid is different, and it is it is usual thing for for most of uh, rhinoplasty patient right and left side are different and uh, how we can treat different different problems this uh, symmetric osteotomies for example or symmetric osteotomies sometimes i don't know for example in this particular case you can see that one side of bony pyramid is convex another side of bony pyramid is concave and how what type of uh, osteotomies should we perform here, for example, to, to get symmetry? I personally don't know how to get real symmetry with this osteotomies only and how to get predictability during this process. Because of that, I think that necessary and desirable component of North Jopu is rhinosculpture. What means rhinosculpture? It means we should remove the asymmetries using some type of rasps, but rasps is not uh, easy to walk in uh, horizontal part of maxillary areas, in base of bony pyramid, for example, or also very difficult to, to walk with traditional rasps in, uh, in the uh, upper part of bony pyramid. Because of that, I think much easier to walk with piezo equipment and piezo equipment, uh, piezo rasps helps to to walk uh, in different areas of bony pyramid and we can easily remove the thickness of the bone and we can easily improve the symmetry between right and left side in many cases, especially in cases this uh, not so big hump, it, it can be only rhinosculpture. For example, in, in some asymmetries, like in this cadaver bony pyramid, where I did only, only rhinosculpture, it is not necessary to perform more, any type of osteotomies. I can perform only rhinosculpture. I can get much more straight and much more narrow bony pyramid to get successful result. And very predictable, because if I don't break the bone, bones, uh, I don't get any destabilization and unpredictable movement of the middle third and lower third also. And you can see that in this particular case, uh, I did only rhinosculpture mm -hmm. and it is real improvement in close-up view of the upper third yeah. because of absent, again, absent of destabilization and uh, possibility to, to symmetrize, make more symmetrical right and left side, Sim simply removing the thickness of the bone. Uh, because, of, because of possibility to, to visualize all the problems, because of possibility to perform uh, rhinosculpture, I little bit changed my algorithm during last five years and uh, I almost always use full open approach to, to, to see, to, to look at the nose pyramid, to visualize all problems and uh, then I start all, almost all rhinoplasty this uh, rhinosculpture. I try to make symmetrical right and left 
side and then if it is necessary i can, can perform any type of osteotomies uh, but i in this particular talk i prefer to talk not about uh, dorsum preservation because there are uh, some guys like Milosh and uh, Aaron and Dean now and uh, Miguel and you know Sam must already talk about that uh, already talk about dorsum preservation and they are very experienced in this area also there are very good experienced surgeons from Turkey now Gyoksil Barish who who already presented their talks about dorsum preservation. I mostly now will tell about uh, dorsum reconstruction because in uh, northern part of Russia, where I work, I mean, in St. Petersburg, we have a lot of uh, patients without big humps. We have a lot of patients with small irregularities in the dorsum or wide dorsum, but this, some of them, these are... Uh, uh, quite low dorsum, and they don't need to to um, to remove the humps. Many of them need just to improve their dorsal aesthetic lines. In in such cases, I prefer to prefer to uh, perform dorsum reconstruction or dorsum augmentation. These incomplete osteotomies. But of course, I, I also like to, to perform uh, dorsum preservation for uh, appropriate cases. But in this particular talk, I will tell about mostly about reconstruction of the dorsum. No, that's great, Vitaly. Thanks. Because uh, uh, to me, I think we can lose it sometimes by being too focused on the whole dorsal preservation. And it's so interesting that the, the patients that you're seeing don't necessarily need that but it's the rhino sculpture. So, so it's interesting you say how your, your approach has changed. How, how many years have you been using Piezo for now? I have been started to, to work this Piezo uh, uh, on 2016. Now I, I use Piezo uh, for six years. For five years, for five years. Oh, that's great. And okay. I, I'm really happy with this, this equipment. And uh, I cannot imagine myself now these osteotomes only because I think it is another level of understanding and another level of results. Because you can really get almost symmetric bones in the end of the procedure user, user using uh, using piezo that's big difference from my previous experience working only these uh, traditional instruments with then was really impossible sometimes to get symmetry between right and left side for example well that's fantastic do you, do you carry on Yes, and uh, my, my, my walking steps, uh, walking this uh, bony pyramid are a full open approach, as I mentioned before, rhinosculpture. Rhinosculpture I perform for all patients, almost all. Of course, there are some cases, this ideal bony pyramid, but in my practice, maybe it's one or two percent only. Also, I perform a lot of secondary procedures, and for Almost all secondary rhinosculpture is necessary because uh, most of them already had uh, osteotomies and uh, some of them uh, had multiple uh, osteotomies before and uh, they have different uh, irregularities on, on, on bony pyramid and rhinosculpture helps to, to um, 
perform much less secondary or tertiary uh, osteotomies. In many secondary cases, you just need to remove only some irregularities on the bony surface again. But, of course, if, if there is hump, I can, I can remove hump. If, if this case appropriate for dorsum preservation, I now prefer also to perform dorsum preservation. But if it is necessary to perform dorsum reconstruction, as I mentioned before, in low dorsum, in uh, wide dorsum, in low uh, radix, uh, I, I prefer to perform or in crooked nose, I prefer to perform uh, dorsum reconstruction. And, and in these particular cases, I started this incomplete partial osteotomies. What means partial osteotomies? I will explain later. And if it is impossible to, to, to get ideal result, or not ideal, but desired results in the end this procedure, I can complete the osteotomy lines and can perform uh, complete osteotomies. But my algorithm, in my algorithm, complete osteotomies is the last step. And full open approach, I already uh, presented. Again, I mobilized uh, periosteum from the uh, bony pyramid from the caudal part of the, from, from the keystone area till cephalic part of the, of the radix, and then from one horizontal part of maxilla to another horizontal part of maxilla. It's quite wide mobilization of, of the periosteum, and uh, it's, it's really very helpful to, to, get, uh, to, to get possibility, visualize all problems on the bony pyramid, and, and then I can treat these problems. For example, if one side has uh, convex uh, deformity, another side have concave deformity, I can remove convex and can uh, remove uh, area around concave deformity to get more straight surface on one side and more straight surface on another side. And then if it is necessary, I can you know, smooth this surface with more uh, precise rasps like like diamond rasps and uh, also very important to check the thickness of the bone uh, using uh, CT scans. I always ask patient to bring CT scans. It gives very good possibility to prepare patient and yourself to this procedure uh, because CT scans, especially cone beam CT scans, helps to to to, to predict uh, the thickness of the bone and I can prepare myself and patient how much millimeters I need to remove on each side to get more straight and more symmetric surface on the bony pyramid. Uh, and then if it is necessary, uh, I, I remove the bony cap. Of course, it is not necessary in all cases, but uh, if it is necessary, after removing the bony cap, I can visualize the middle third, I can visualize uh, two shoulders of the uh, roof and can treat them removing the shoulders and using asymmetric or symmetric spreaders, for example. There are some cases that I have used only rhinosculpture, for example, uh, in these particular cases, she has 
very interesting uh, bony pyramid. You can see that uh, the base of the bony pyramid is convex and the middle part of the bony pyramid is concave. And in this particular case, if you, for example, perform uh, uh, traditional osteotomy, osteotomy you you can you cannot treat the base of the bony tree the pyramid because traditional osteotomy usually perform uh, performing in in maybe little bit lower than uh, another facial groove but you cannot treat the uh, uh, this convex deformity in the deep base of bony pyramid but if you moved inward this bony pyramid uh, this osteotomy you can very easily create the collapse of this uh, of this nose pyramid, and I think it is easy just to remove the uh, convex in the base in the deep base of bony pyramid. And you don't need to perform any osteotomies. You don't need to move inward this collapsed area, concave area. And I did this algorithm, I, I remove the base of bony pyramid because the base of bony pyramid usually is quite thick, between four and five millimeters thickness can be in this area and I easily can remove for two or three millimeters in, on each side and in your particular case you can see how improved the uh, uh, frontal view because of uh, because of rhinus sculpture only. I didn't do any osteotomies and also I used uh, asymmetric spreaders for her uh, middle thought and uh, didn't do any any destabilization and it is very predictable. I mean, for example, before before when I performed a lot of complete osteotomies, sometimes I slept very nervous because. Mm never know how it will it will be after cast removal you never know because it can be swelling or something some something can happens and i also felt sometimes uh, some type of cold sweat during the procedure because it is not usual but sometimes you can move inward a little bit more and was very difficult to fix the problem. I mean, complete osteotomy. When you don't perform any osteotomies, you sleep very well. You sleep very patient. I mean, so so Vitaly, I've got a question there for you. You're mentioning that it's up to five millimeters thick, and that you're going to do a cone beam CT scan beforehand. So a concern for me would be that the bone becomes too thin. But you, you can, with your piezo, look very carefully to make sure that you don't thin the bone out too much, eh? Yes, of course, you, you can control the thickness of the bone that you removed, and also you can control the red flux. What, what means red flux? When the bone changes the color, it, it is very visible. It means you are close to thinning the bone, yeah? And... When, when the bone changes the color from white to red, you should stop. It's very easy to control. Fantastic. And in this particular case, you can see again, I, I didn't perform any osteotomy. I did only rhinosculpture in the base of bony pyramid and, and it is 
very good and very predictable result. I think because of that, because of absence of osteotomies. Uh, this case is two and a half years, close to three years now, and uh, uh, she had quite wide uh, nose pyramid. Again, it is typical uh, patient from Russia. It's like mix between Asian and uh, Caucasian noses. It is not big hump. There is no hump. It is wide base, wide middle part of bony pyramid and bulbous nose tip. And I did rhinosculpture only and put narrow DCF graft on the top of the bony pyramid and on the top of the middle field. I didn't open the middle field. And you can see uh, real and real improvement and you can see uh, that your dorsal aesthetic lines much narrow now. Again, I didn't perform any osteotomies. I did rhinosculpture only in her case. Uh, also in our area, I mean, in northern part of the Russia, there are a lot of patients with extremely thin skin. And extremely thin skin means for me that all small defects can be visible one or two or three years after surgery. And uh, for example, this this uh, exact patient has extremely thin skin and you can see all shadows on, on the surface of her nose and uh, her middle third was uh, crooked and her middle third uh, was very asymmetric because of asymmetric uh, uh, upper laterals. You can see that her left upper lateral longer and wider and because of that she had uh, very interesting type of uh, hump. She has, uh, she had um, some some type of lateral hump, and I don't know how to treat this type of lateral hump. Uh, for example, this dorsum preservation, and uh, it is difficult to treat, and you you need only to to reconstruct middle middle thought and you should use spreaders in, in your particular case. But what is the necessity to to perform, uh, again, osteotomies in your particular case? I didn't perform any osteotomies. I treat your pony pyramid with uh, rhinosculpture and uh, treated uh, your uh, middle thought these spreaders, uh, have removed their... Uh, asymmetry and uh, excess of uh, upper laterals and again you can see how smooth and symmetric your uh, nose pyramid and the dorsum two years after surgery we by the way we, we have published our experience uh, in rhinosculpture these piezoelectric instruments for dorsal preservation i think it is also dorsal preservation but it is Separate part, it is bony preservation. Together, this Olivier Gerbeau is this amazing Bible of uh, preservation rhinoplasty, third edition, uh, published by Roland Daniel, Peter Paul, Hazif Saban, and Boris Chikir. It's uh, honor for me to, to be this. Uh, yeah, we're going to be interviewing all of those guys later on in the year. So I'm looking forward yeah, it's, to it's, yeah. it. Is, all of them are great surgeons and great guys. Yeah. Uh, of course, of course. Sometimes we need to perform osteotomies. It is impossible to to treat all bony pyramids with rhinosculpture only because some some bony pyramids can be can have very thin bones. 
it is visible on uh, CT scans. Some bony pyramids need to move inward the base. Some bony pyramids you need to move inward one side, outward another side. I mean, crooked bony pyramids or another type with big humps or something like that. But again, in case of dorsum preservation, I, I use another way, but in a case when I pre, 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 when I plan to perform dorsum reconstruction, I use this algorithm. I start usually this uh, this type of incomplete osteotomies. What means incomplete? It means that I perform lower lateral, for example, osteotomy and incomplete transverse osteotomy. I try to leave bony bridges, like in this particular. Uh, picture you can see I, I didn't complete the osteotomy lines and in small humps in patient is absent of hump in patient uh, on patient is um, this little bit wider bony pyramid this step can really improve the base of the bony pyramid because when you perform lower lateral in transverse osteotomy incomplete, you can easily move in one or two millimeter this more bony sidewall without complete destabilization. It's interesting, but it, it works very well. For example, in 3D animation, it looks like, uh, again, complete lower lateral osteotomy and incomplete transverse osteotomy line and nothing more. But before, of course, I perform rhinosculpture. And you can see on video how it works. And right after this procedure, you can see that the bony side wall of bony pyramid, right side wall, moved on inward for one millimeter. In many cases, in many patients, it can be enough. For example, in this patient, this plateau on the top of the dorsum, before, two years after surgery, you can see she looked very, very, she looked very nice and symmetric. Without, again, total destabilization of the bones, only this rhinosculpture sculpture and incomplete so, Vitaly, I have a question for you. If you if you can see, you're probably going to have to do an incomplete osteotomy. Do you not first do the incomplete osteotomy and then do the rhinosculpture, or do you rather first do the rhinosculpture and see if you've been able to address the problem, and only then will you go a step further and do an incomplete osteotomy? No, I, I think that rhinosculpture should be first because rhinosculpture helps to 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 really to to symmetrize the bones yeah it is first step then i can get smooth surface smooth surface will be visible like smooth bony pyramid after procedure in one month or two months or two years you always will see the smooth surface and because of that i prefer to remove the asymmetries this rhinosculpture and then if it is necessary, I go this uh, asymmetric or not asymmetric, uh, incomplete osteotomies. Okay, great. No, thanks for that. And 
there are some some results like that. I like to check all patients. This uh, helicopter view, I think, it is one of the main view for for examination of of the uh, bony and cartilaginous dorsum because without helicopter view, you never you you, you cannot see exact problem. You cannot see uh, your exact result. And one more case again. Uh, this incomplete osteotomy, this complete lower lateral and incomplete transverse, this big bony bridge on the top of bony pyramid. And I didn't do again, I, I didn't join the lines of osteotomy. It was not necessary. I did rhinosculpture and incomplete osteotomies and slept very well. Yeah, that's great. For those of you who can't see, uh, they are astoundingly good results. Yeah, but but because of predictability, again, I think that we cannot control swelling, for example. Nobody can control swelling. But if you didn't break the whole construction, if you didn't break the foundation, it's very easy to predict. It's like absolutely predictable. Hmm. But if you broke, if you break it, broken bones can, can move outward, can move inward in some places. You never know when mm. will be the final position of them. Of course, when you perform dorsal preservation, for example, it's a little bit easy to control because you, you didn't separate one lateral wall from another lateral wall. It is like pyramid, yeah? It's, it's only movement of pyramid, but it is not movement of each wall from each other. But when you perform traditional complete osteotomies, it always can be in different positions, I mean. And all my, not all of course, but main, my main problems in my previous practice before 2016 was this osteotomies. And my main headaches, because I couldn't control the bony pyramid, I think was these osteotomies. Again, incomplete or partial osteotomies, sometime I can add uh, middle oblique osteotomy, but I always try to leave bridge between medial oblique osteotomy and incomplete transverse osteotomy. You can see this bony bridge is much smaller. It's like between three and five millimeters or three and four millimeters, but it also keeps quite stable position uh, for, for, for the whole bony pyramid because it is not destabilized bony bones. It, it, is, it is fixed bone, one lateral wall and another lateral wall. It is not the green stick. It is real bony bridge that helps to avoid movement of the bow of the bone in one side or in another side side during the rehabilitation process, during the swelling process. And this little bit much more movement, but again it is easy to control the final position. In such cases like, like 
like this, for example, in this uh, cadaver bony pyramid, you can see that you can easily move the bone inward, leaving this bony bridge. And if I need to move a little bit more, I can drill the hole or I can use different thickness of the spreaders. For example, I can put one spreader thinner, one spreader thicker and suture them together. And it gives possibility to keep stable position of the bones and at the same time move one bony side inward little bit and move another bony side outward little bit. But it is not for crooked nose, for really crooked nose, but it is for smaller symmetries. Like in this particular case, you can see that one side, one bony side uh, is little bit uh, convex in the upper part and concave in the uh, middle third, in the base of middle third. And I moved a little bit this side outward and moved a little bit uh, left side inward using asymmetric spreaders, this, this type of incomplete osteotomies. And you can see that one and a half years after surgery, it looks very symmetric. It looks almost symmetric uh, position of the right and left bony walls. And again, helicopter view for... for but it's so precise. I, I love it that, that, that you're so in control and precise because... Yeah, if you if you it, this piezo really gives you that ability to to do that. Yes, I think it's because of, of piezo is it is first reason, but that the second reason that I didn't destabilize completely the bones because, as I mentioned before, I don't know how to control bones if they was broken totally broken. I don't know. For me, it is main main guess, still main guess, how to control final position of the bones if you break them and how to control them during the rehabilitation period, during the swelling process. Because swelling can, can easily move them in different directions. It is two, two reasons that, that helps to, to, to get more precise results. Again, you can see that in your particular case was asymmetric bony pyramid, asymmetric middle third, and again, I did rhino sculpture and incomplete osteotomies, and you can see one and a half years, she got really straight dorsum, this symmetric, much more symmetric right and left, left, uh, lateral bony walls. But of course, in some asymmetrical cases, in some crooked noses, impossible to get symmetry, these, uh, these symmetric osteotomies, because if one side, uh, extremely crook, uh, extremely, uh, concave, another side extremely convex, you need sometimes to move move one side and inward, for example, and move another side outward more than one, two millimeters. For these particular cases, I prefer to use this type of asymmetric osteotomies, uh, 
this is two paramedian osteotomies. And I usually remove piece of the bone on their convex side. And concave, convex, uh, concave side, I perform paramedial only one osteotomy and uh, transverse osteotomy. These dotted lines are uh, not osteotomy, it is scoring on the bones. This is long bridge on the base of the bony pyramid on the one side, and this is again a long bridge on another side. And this type of osteotomy helps to move one side inward and another side outward. And in such cases, I can put spreader only one side, like in this cadaver bony pyramid, for example, I have removed piece of bone using two paramedial osteotomies on her left side, moved outward her right side and put one thick spreader sometimes from the rib to, to get more symmetric uh, middle part of bony pyramid. But in such cases, like real asymmetric cases, crooked noses, it works in, not in all, of course, not at all, but, but in many of them, it works very well. And this is torturely, torturely patient. She had three rhinoplasty before, and you can see how crooked her uh, and uh, unparalleled her uh, dorsal aesthetic lines. And after this procedure, I performed rhinosculpture and this asymmetric type of uh, osteotomies, partial osteotomies. I didn't mobilize her uh, bony pyramid completely. I moved her uh, left bone outward, right wall or bony wall inward. Use thick spreader on the her, on her left side, and you can see real symmetry. You can see that he, she looks much better and her dorsal aesthetic lines are parallel to each other. And some other views. And of course, I did reconstruction of the tip and I did reconstruction of the alar. And I would like to, to, to tell about our paper, what we did together this uh, Peter Palhazy, Olivier Jarbo, and Roland Daniel about this approach, sequential approach to managing bony world. This article was published in 2006, uh, 2019 in Aesthetic Surgery Journal. And now we prepare article about uh, bony pyramids, uh, about classification and different types of uh, bony pyramids. I think it will be interesting. Hopefully, we'll publish it soon. And uh, this is my experience. It's interesting that during uh, my working period, this piezo from 2016 till 2020, I have performed rhinosculpture only in 30% of all my patients. It means every third my patients, I didn't do any osteotomies. Uh, in 40%, I have performed lower lateral and incomplete transverse osteotomy. It means 70% I have performed rhinosculpture plus 
incomplete osteotomies. And, and in 17 more percent, I add medial oblique osteotomy. And again, I didn't complete. But only in 4% of all my dorsal reconstruction cases, I did complete osteotomies. It was not necessary to, to join osteotomy lines in 96%. Sure, that's very interesting. It is my experience. But my group of patients are a little bit different, for example, from, from Turkish patient or from Mediterranean patients or from Caucasus patient. I mean, because we are living in between... Caucasus and, and, and Asia, and we have a lot of different type of patient. I mean, this wide dorsum or this low dorsum, this maybe normal dorsum, you know, I think you, you have seen Russian girls. Yeah, yeah. a lot of pretty Russian girls once they've gone through your hands. <laughs> yeah, but most of them would like to get as much as possible straight noses, and yes. most of them like to get really symmetric noses and I think it is a way to get symmetry but it is a little bit maybe longer to get longer to change your mind because when when I started I, I started to perform complete osteotomies but now I maybe exclude dorsal preservation foundation dorsal preservation cases uh, I perform complete osteotomies only in extremely crooked noses, maybe. I don't need to, to perform such a lot of destabilization of the bony pyramid because it is unpredictable in my hands. Yeah, I, th I think Vitaly, I mean, Olivia has done such groundbreaking work with, um, with Piezo. I think it's going to become much more mainstream. I think... It seems that the cost is the one thing that, that uh, stops a lot of surgeons from being able to use it. But I know of many guys who don't use it just as a once-off. They will continue reusing the, the um, different heads to try and make it more affordable for the patients. I think you're absolutely right. Olivier did a lot of efforts to, to um, involve uh, Piesa in, in usual rhinoplasty life and and uh, I have visited him in 2016 and because of him I started to use Piesa in all my rhinoplasty surgeries but I know that uh, this every year more and more rhinoplasty surgeons start start to use Piesa in their uh, usual practice for example Dean Toyumi uh, uh, in this year also, last year also started to use uh, piezo. Rick Davis started to use piezo before he used only electropower instruments. And I mean, all most of all uh, genius rhinoplasty surgeons around the world started to use piezo nowadays. And, and I think it will be usual procedure rhinosculpture or using piezo equipment for most of all uh, rhinoplasty in, in some years. So um, 
Give us your conclusions here, Vitaly. Mm-hmm. I think the advantages of this approach are the exact diagnostic because of full visualization of the problem. We can see everything and we can control and we can treat all the problems. For example, asymmetries or convexities or concavities or some some uh, irregularity on the bony surface. Also, it is possibility to make bony pyramid more symmetrical and in case in case of need, it is possible to perform incomplete osteotomies. We don't need to perform in all cases, we don't need to perform complete osteotomies. We don't need to destabilize the foundation of the nose pyramid. And I think it is less trauma and it's, it is maximal control of, of the most difficult part of the rhinoplasty. Sure. Well, I, I've been able to use the piezo down in Cape Town. We've only got one machine in South Africa that's uh, doing the rounds. There are a few guys who bought them, and we're going to be buying ours for Port Elizabeth in the next couple of weeks. So I'm quite excited to be able to use it full-time when I'm operating here in Port Elizabeth and not just if I'm in Cape Town. Yeah, it's, you, you will enjoy this piezo, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. So, Vitaly, what I'd like to um, conclude with is so piezo has been a big change for the, for you over the last five years for the young guys who who are listening to the show where do you think rhinoplasty is going to go in the future what would you want to say to somebody if they knew in wanting to become a, a, a really good rhinoplasty surgeon what are that for you the really key fundamental things somebody has to get under the belt before they go out there and like rod Rorick says everyone's world famous on their own website how do people really get good at doing rhinoplasty? I think the key is analysis. I think the, the key is analysis because when, when I think about my previous years, I, I always try to, to improve my results. How, how, how I can improve? I should spend more time performing analysis of the nose, performing analysis of your own results and now, uh, I, when I analyze my uh, results from previous years till 2015, till 2014, uh, I, I don't like almost all my results, actually, because I, from 2014, maybe I started to perform much more analysis when I mm. perform, mm. performed mm. rhinoplasty, before rhinoplasty. And I started to uh, make picture of all my procedures. I, I started to, to make maybe 100 pictures during the rhinoplasty. Mm-hmm. It gives possibility to, to analyze what I did during the procedure and when I did mistake during the procedure. And I really improved because of that. And yeah. also measurements. Well, analysis and measurements. And measurements. It, it is two keys for your own yeah. analysis and your own measurements. Yeah. And so spend I, more I remember, times this your this this your uh, database, this your result, this your mm, uh, photos mm. from surgery room, this your videos, and also I think the third key is uh, relations with the professionals, these mm-hmm. masters, mm-hmm. because masters mm-hmm. can learn 
or can, can can give you much more experience, much more mm-hmm. knowledge because mm-hmm. they already got it during their life. And uh, I appreciate my teachers. I appreciate uh, great surgeons, masters, whom yes. I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, those are wise words, eh, Vitaly. And analyze, measure, and learn from the top guys. Uh, it reminds me when Miguel told me a few years ago in Portugal, he said to me, Cameron, if you do not take photographs intraoperative, you didn't do the operation. And I was like, wow. Yes. And I do that now. I've got somebody yes. just takes photographs the whole time. And then when you sit speaking about it's only been like maybe seven years ago that you're starting to feel more satisfied with your results. I remember Fazel Payton saying to me, Cameron, you've got to, after your first 100 rhinoplasties, then you go to another city and you open up your practice. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also reminded by when I visited Spencer Cochran in Dallas, he's got a, um, a, like a picture book of befores and afters for the patient to look at. And I was saying to Spencer how impressed I am with, with the results. And he said, no, no, no. And he paged through, there must've been maybe 250 photographs in there. And he pointed to one only and he said, that's been my perfect nose. Everything else is a little bit of something that wasn't actually perfect. And I think that that absolute strive for excellence is what puts you guys ahead of the rest of us. Yeah, man, Victali, that was great. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to, I'm back in the OR tomorrow actually with a deviated nose and I want to see how I can use these principles that you've shared with us to um, put into practice. So I hope that all the listeners around the world have enjoyed this as well. So now that you've made it all the way to now, I can give you the email address for the Carl Stortz representative. And if you email this man and you say to him that uh, you were on the rhinoplasty podcast, you're going to be able to get a discount on some rhinoplasty insurance from Carl Stortz. And the email address is, so it's, you've got to get your Zulu right to get that. It's smazibuko at carlstortz.co.za. I'll spell that for you. It's s dot m a z i b u k o at Carl Stortz, that's K-A-R-L-S-T-O-R-Z dot C-O dot Z-A. So S.Mazibuka at CarlStortz.coza. So Vitaly, that brings me to the end of uh, tonight's show. Thank you very much for taking time off to share with us um, an hour of your pearls of wisdom. And we really like, it's, it's such an honor to have you on the show. And I think this hopefully will be teaching rhinoplasty surgeons around the globe how to get better at what they're doing. Thank you very much, Cameron. It was really honor and pleasure for me to, to be with you. And I hope that it will be helpful for maybe some surgeons who, who would like to improve their, their practice and their results.